Good evening, fight fans. Welcome to the UFC on Fox 23 rearview mirror. I am Flying Brian J, and with me, if you were here before the fights, I was with Wesley Riddle, and here he is again, Wesley Riddle. You can follow him on Twitter at AllThatMMA. I'm at Flying Brian J. But what's up, Wes? Nothing much, dude. Was able to get back in time from a concert I was at. That's fine. All dressed up, wearing a nice tie suit. Um, uh, was able to watch a main event and see Valentina Shevchenko do her stuff. Missed some of the fights. Kind of bummed about that, but um, still looking forward to talk about some of the events that went down tonight. Bro, you look super dapper. You're looking better than a lot of these fights were tonight. So, of course, above me here, I want you to give your grade for what you would grade all the fights, all of them. There was like, what, 12, 13 maybe? What letter grade would you give from A to F? Basically, we got A, C, and F. So that's where we're going to start right away. I'm going to give the card, since I only have these three options, I would lean D, D minus. I'm going to give it a C, lean an F. Wes, I know you missed some of the fights because of your concert, but what post-fight letter grade would you give it? Uh, I would probably give it, I, I've seen some of the highlights that have happened since D, D minus. Uh, I got back to my room. I'm going to give it and a I'm C. I'm probably going to give it a C. Uh, I didn't watch some of the fights that I feel like a lot of people thought were not really the most entertaining. Uh, that would be a Sun South Sterling, Alvy Marquardt, and then I think I saw the end of Jordan Johnson, Enrique De Silva, but not the beginning of it. So a lot of the fights that I did see uh, were the close, entertaining scraps, like um, the fight between uh, Jingleon Lee, Bobby Nash, and Toja Shelton. Both of those are pretty good. Uh, so I'd give it a C. Saw some of the highlights, some good finishes, but also some boring decisions. Luckily, I missed them. Uh, but uh, from what I, I've heard and from some of the stuff I've put together, I'll give it a C. Yeah, and man, there's a lot of boring stuff. Pacing was terrible as always, but it's, it's usually worse when we're talking about UFC on Fox. Um, there were a lot of slow-paced fights. There were a lot of fights where it seemed like the fighters didn't really want to press the action. Um, but at the beginning, I usually give out how people scored or how people ranked on the UFC Pick'em in MMA Mania's Fight League. So, uh, Wes, guess who got first? Um, I know I, I did pretty well, but I don't know where I was able to finish. I'd say I was probably top 10, but first, um, no yeah, clue. Yeah, man. So the for the viewers, the picks that Wes gave out on the pre-fight show went 11 for 12, four perfect, five bonus. He got first place with 3,290 points. Holy shit. Way to go, Wes. In second place, Moogly, uh, 10, 10 for 12. Third place, Shane, the love train. Rail, uh, 8 for 12, 3 perfect, 3 bonuses. 4th place, Flying Brian J. Yes, I stayed right up there in the top 5. And in 5th place, Tommy Guns, uh, 8 for 12, 3 perfect, 2 bonuses. Alright, so everyone's here to talk about the main event. So Wes, we just got done watching it. Everyone was billing it as striker versus grappler in the build-up. Um, on my pre-fight analysis, the video that I did on YouTube for MMA Mania, I said it's it's way more than that. Shevchenko is good in all areas. She has some good grappling, good submission attempts. She proved that here when she su submitted Juliana, the Venezuelan vixen, at 2.42 of round number two after being controlled for the majority of the fight. Wes, what are your takeaways from this? Valentina Shevchenko um, pulling off that armbar. I was pretty impressed. I immediately hopped on just to check out Shevchenko's record afterwards and see kind of the stuff that she's done in terms of her submission game. The last time Shevchenko ever got a submission was an Ezekiel choke, uh, which we saw the first time that happened, uh, just like last week or the week before. It was an Ezekiel choke in March of 2006. That was over 10 years ago, and that was her seventh fight 
Uh, and she also, during that time period, that was her fourth submission in a row. So Shevchenko uh, did have a pretty decent submission game that we hadn't seen a lot of, though, in her recent performances over these past couple of years. Um, I liked uh, the way that she was being able to use her judo in that first round. One thing that people don't really know too much about Shevchenko is that she's actually pretty um, prestigious in her judo background as well. She's a master uh, of sport in judo. And also has, uh, of course, her stuff with Muay Thai and her boxing and kickboxing. She, we know that she's dynamic on the feet, but she was able to do something that we don't see a lot of uh, out of her, and that was her submission game. And I thought, especially in this fight, if we were going to see a submission, it would come from Pena. And I think at one point in the first round, Pena did have an armbar attempt later uh, before the round came to a close, but she wasn't able to secure it. First round, of course, was pretty close. I give it to Shevchenko. Thought she was having uh, more dominant control uh, despite that late attempt of an armbar by Pena. The second round, we saw more control from Pena, uh, but that armbar pulled off after Shevchenko was able to rotate her hips out uh, and be able to capture the arm uh, and sink it in there in the second. So really impressed with Shevchenko, uh, and I'm curious to see what you think about that too. Yeah, man, really impressed, but a lot of people are shocked by her pulling off that submission. I'm not shocked by it at all. She was putting Amanda Nunes in their first fight in some really bad predicaments with her submission game. Uh, Juliana Pena, while she is super powerful, she was obviously good with the clinch, uh, forcing Shevchenko against the fence, getting the takedowns, having top control. She did hit that armbar attempt in the first round, but... Because the round ended, we don't know if Valentina was going to be able to get out of it. So I'm going to say that Valentina was going to get out of that son of a gun. Um, one thing, Juliana Pena's camp and her coaches, they're they're idiots. It was straight away without, you know, that's mean of me, but they're dumb. So I don't know about the game plan going in here um, for Juliana Pena over Valentina Shevchenko. Basically, really impressive for Shevchenko. She showed that she's a well-rounded mixed martial artist that I already knew, but what I'm thinking about already is, and they brought in Amanda Nunes into the cage after the fight was over, so we're already looking to the next fight in the women's bantamweight division for the title. Um, so I really just want to know what you think about Valentina versus Amanda Nunes. I am going to be picking Valentina Shevchenko to beat Amanda Nunes in that rematch. I agree. I'm going to second with you on that one. I think uh, Shevchenko has showed a lot of improvements from that fight, and I know that was just for her uh, two fights ago, but still in the Holly Holm fight, she showed a really impressive stand-up and also some work on the ground. The Pena fight, she showed some well-roundedness, of course, with uh, some work on the feet, but not too much. But we now know that she does, uh, and you said it too, she did do it some in the Amanda Nunes fight the first time, but um, she, her submission game is for real. And I think especially – in a five-round affair between the two in this rematch, I think it'll Shevchenko favor uh, – excuse me, I said that backwards – favor Shevchenko a little bit more because we do know Nunez has always struggled with her cardio in some of her fights. And I think almost all of Nunez's losses have come outside of the first round. So if Shevchenko can survive that early storm, of course, from Nunez, it's definitely going to be Shevchenko's fight. Uh, she's going to be able to take it, especially in the latter rounds. I don't think – Nunez would have a chance to get a fourth or fifth round, probably not even a third round uh, finish. If they were to fight, it would definitely come early on. I'm looking forward to the rematch because I think Valentina has a really, really good shot of taking the title. But I don't know how it's going to do number-wise just because I feel like a lot of people, uh, they're not the most talkative uh, weights that we have in the weight class. They're not 
like Holly Holm was, she captured a lot of people because of Rousey. She wasn't Rousey. She wasn't Misha Tate. So I feel like it's going to be a little less viewership, but it's still going to be an entertaining fight for uh, those of us who want to watch it. Um, you know what? They're probably not going to put it as the main event ever, so it could draw some eyes because they'll put it as a co-main event to something else. Or for the hardcore fans, it would be fun to put Valentina versus Amanda and then have like the main event be the strawweight championship between Joanna Jacek and uh, Michelle Watterson. I heard recently that that fight is in the works. Have you heard anything about that? Which fight was that? I'm sorry. Joanna Jacek versus Michelle Watterson. Uh, I know that we, we've we talked about it a little bit ourselves. Uh, I'd like to say first, I guess we, we you you and I both, we both kind of had some speculation that we talked about um, for this fight possibly going to happen. And I did hear in an interview from MMA Junkie that she said that that fight's not going to happen for 211, but I still have a feeling that that's going to be the fight we're going to see. I, I don't know. It's just, it's some speculation, of course, but there are reasons as to why that we've kind of put this together uh, to make it understandable as to why this fight could potentially happen. And there are some good reasons, too. Uh, I think that we might see Watterson in the headliner for UFC London. I'm pretty confident in that, but her opponent, if it's not Joanna, I think it's going to be Rose Namajunas. Yeah, I'm just saying that'd be a fun fight to make um, as the main event, co-main event. So we have all the women fighting on on one card as the main event, co-main event for the hardcore fans. I think that would be kind of fun. But ultimately, this fight tonight with Shevchenko versus Pena, I said it didn't deserve to be the main event because it wasn't going to be that exciting, even though there were title implications on the line. It really lived up to it. Other than the fantastic armbar that finished the fight, the the entirety of it up until that point was rather lackluster and rather boring. Fights that take place against the fence where there's like a, a knee here, a knee there, a short punch here, a short punch there. Oh, look, a takedown, back to the feet, more pressing against the cage. That's not the style of fight that I like. And that's one reason why I'm giving the card a low grade because um, when, when the event is capped off with something that is that lackluster and kind of boring, to be straight honest with you, that really hinders the thing. Um... Let's move into talking about the co-main event. Jorge Masvidal basically put an ass-whooping on Donald Cerrone. I thought that Cerrone's lead leg kick to the body and then to the head was going to be a lot quicker than it was, but Masvidal was able to, every time Donald threw that thing to the body, uh, Jorge would counter with a right hand and got Donald with it like every single time. I I don't know if Donald was slower tonight or if I um, overanalyzed or over valued his kicking game and his kicking speed but George Jorge Masvidal really looked incredible tonight TKO punches uh one minute into round number two he dropped Donald maybe could have stopped it at the end of the first round with some ground and pound a lot of people were talking about the stoppage from Herb Dean was early um I don't think that it was early I think it was justified Jorge had dropped Donald twice and then uh Donald was eating a lot of body shots you could look at the look on his face Look at the look on his face. You could see the look on his face, and he was not, you know, doing well with it. I thought the stoppage was justified. I thought that it deserved to be ended at that moment. And really, really, really impressed with Jorge Masvidal. I wish he would have called out a specific opponent, but he did put uh, Dana White on blast and said, give me somebody, you know, really high in the rankings, and I will shut them down. Nobody's going to be able to beat me. Impressive performance from George Masvidal. Jorge, God, I'm sorry, George, Jorge. Um... It could be fight of the night, maybe, because there wasn't that much that was happening. But what was your overall takeaway from the co-main event, Wes? Well, unfortunately, I actually did not see the co-main event happen live. 
Did go back and see the finish that Masvidal was able to put on at the end of the second round. Did hear a little bit about the controversy that happened at the end of the first. I still don't really know the full story, so I'm going to have to go back and watch. But uh, I know one thing that you and I talked about on the the show, the pre-fight show that we did here, was that Masvidal always likes to start strong. But I feel like a lot of people were saying that he continued the aggressiveness even in that second round. So he kept using a lot of pressure, unlike that um, people had seen from previous Masvidal performances. And as I had also mentioned before, I think there was one string in Masvidal's career where he was just getting decision win after decision win over and over. So I feel like um, that's probably one thing Masvidal's worked on, uh, probably finding that killer instinct that I know he has, and it seems like he pulled it off tonight. Really looking forward to go back and watching that fight uh, between him and Masvidal, or excuse me, between Cerrone and Masvidal. But um, uh, I'm going to have to see kind of the controversy behind it too. I think Masvidal... He should have called somebody out, I think. I think it would have been good if he did because then they could have made it uh, into some kind of promo for a future fight. And I think a good opponent next for Masvidal could be Robbie Lawler just because a lot of people were talking about Cerrone being the next thing for Robbie Lawler. But George Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal, I did the same thing, uh, just went out there and stopped Donald Cerrone in under um, half of a fight. So really impressive performance from Masvidal. Curious to see where he goes next. And I think – a fight with Lawler would be pretty entertaining to see uh, and possibly the next fight for him to go down. It kind of makes me sad that we got rid of Rory McDonald because I would like to see Rory McDonald versus George Jorge Masvidal. I think that would be a pretty good fight, and I think that that's one that Jorge could win because of uh, Rory McDonald's broken nose, even though Rory was at the top of the division for a long time. So, at Wes, as you and I usually do about this time, we talk about the main event, talk about the co-main event, and then we go into talking about our WTF of the card. So get thinking about your WTF of the card. I'm going to give mine right now. I don't know when it was. I think it could have been sometime in the prelim portion that was on Fox Sports 1 when uh, Joseph Benavidez's girlfriend, who's Joseph Benavidez's girlfriend? Megan O'Leavy. Megan O'Leavy was interviewing uh, Rich Little, or Rick Little, the coach of Juliana Pena, and he said a ton of goofy shit. He said that Altitude isn't real. He said that um, Pena's going to win this fight because she has a new boyfriend. All kinds of goofy shit that man said. And I heard uh, Boxing Bush, Connor Rebush, and Patrick Wyman were talking about how Rick Little had said in the past that fighters that block body shots are pussies. He doesn't allow blocking body shots in his gym. So my WTF of the card goes to the coach of Juliana Pena, Rick Little. Altitude isn't real? WTF, man. So, uh, Wes, what is your WTF of the card? That's pretty stupid. I'd like to point that out first. That's probably one of the most idiotic remarks anybody can make, just to be honest. Um, Don't really like that. I didn't know that happened. Uh, I'll have to go back and try to find that at some point. I guess there were so many fights that I saw that just didn't really have a moment like that. But then again, it's because I didn't see the full card from beginning to end. Some of the fights I did see... Uh, We're pretty entertaining. I guess if I were to give one, it's a little bit random. I'm going to go with the Jason Gonzalez versus JC Cottrell fight. Talk about the fight itself um, being my WTF. I thought Cottrell Cottrell looked really, really good for, I felt like, the first couple minutes of that fight. And then, I mean, he he, he utilized his uh, wrestling pretty well, was able to have Gonzalez down, landed some ground and pound here and there. And then... 
he went and scooted forward trying to get kind of the submission where I guess it's a triangle submission where he trapped the, um, the head between your legs uh, and also are able to capture the arm. That's what he did. So he went all the way forward uh, just kind of intelligently and it cost him the fight from that moment. Gonzalez slipped out the back. Uh, Cottrell immediately uh, was trying to shoot back for the takedown as soon as Gonzalez had slipped out and Gonzalez put on that darts choke and tapped him out within maybe five to 10 seconds of that happening. So that's my WTF. I, I don't really have one that's better than that just because I feel like I didn't see a lot of the card and maybe I'll kind of, kind of get a better one to throw out there for you all. But uh, just that moment in the fight was a little bit odd. And I felt like if Cottrell had a better just plan going into that, uh, I don't know what his coaches were shouting at him when it when happened, but it's a little bit weird. So that's my WTF that I'll give for this card. Shane Lewis rail. Shane, the love train rail says his WTF of the card was switching over from Fox sports one to regular Fox and having three different channels for one fight card. Now that's a solid one, Shane. I don't know why they do that shit all the time, but it's, it's even weirder when we have a card that's all on Fox sports one and they're like, here's the prelim section. Here's the main card, but it's all on one channel. We don't switch. All, all you do is when we're switching over from the prelim to the main card is you give us an extra set of promo packages. So I hate that shit. But speaking of WTF Wes, Let's talk about heavyweights Francis Ngannou and Andre Pitbull Arlovsky. Francis Ngannou landed two strikes on Andre's head that knocked him out. So that's another WTF that we can talk about. Francis Ngannou. The fight lasted a minute 32. Andre landed three punches. Then uh, Francis countered with a left over the top and then a right uppercut sent Andre to the ground. And then Francis landed like five ground and pound strikes that were really, really unnecessary. Francis is one scary mother, you know what I'm saying? And I think that he does have some high prospects in the heavyweight division. I would like to see him fight somebody in the top five. I don't know. I really want to see him fight Derek the Black Beast Lewis for some reason. Uh, not for some reason. They're both heavy hitters. Uh, they're both just going to walk forward and, and swang and bang, as Derek Lewis likes to say. Quickly, to the viewers, if you have comments, you can put them in the comment section or in the chat on YouTube, and I will read them, and we will comment about them. So, Wes, what do you think? I know you probably didn't watch the fight because you were at your concert, but what do you think of Francis Ngannou going forward, and how stunned is how stunning is that that two strikes landed and then the fight's over? I think it's really impressive, and I know a lot of people, of course, did pick Ngannou to stop Arlovsky by punches in the first round because uh, – of Arlovsky's chin, it's faded a lot over the past couple of years. But one thing that we can't shy away from, and I feel like a lot of people aren't either, uh, but just a reminder for those of you who may not think of it, Ngannou, he's just a very, very dynamic guy and also utilizes his range really well in his fights. And he is a killer. And I feel like that that shot, I watched the highlight of it. Of course, I didn't see live, but I watched the highlight of the knockout happen and was really impressed uh, how he was able to put that combination together. Um, and it was a huge overhand right that knocked out Andre Arlovsky. Sent him down. Crazy to think only two punches landed. I've only saw the last couple seconds. I would imagine a little more happened in that first 90. But really impressive from Ngannou knowing the fact now that he's 5-0 and in his UFC career. Currently, three first-round finishes. Um, had that amazing submission this year, or excuse me, last year against Anthony Hamilton. Um, and now he just knocked out one of the better uh, and more notable heavyweights in the division currently in the UFC. So a really impressive performance from Ngannou. I'm going to be curious to see where he goes next. And I think what we might see could be 
probably the winner between Travis Brown and Derek Lewis. This is going to happen as the headliner for, I think, the Buffalo card, if I'm correct. Halifax. Uh, I can't remember if that's Nova the right Scotia. card. You may have to correct me. Nova Scotia. Okay, the Halifax card. I know Elias is on that card. So they're the main event for the Halifax card. Um, I think the winner of that fight is probably going to get Francis. I think the timing is also working out pretty well, uh, knowing the fact that these cards are just about a month away from each other. So uh, I would like that fight. I think Ngannou could probably be able to stop the winner of Travis Brown or Derek Lewis. I feel like he could finish either. Um, so some curious things uh, we could see with Ngannou. Looking forward to seeing him getting back in there next. And also would love to see him fight live because I'm really bummed that I missed him get that knockout win. But still pretty cool to see him come out victorious. Well, go snag your UFC fight pass uh, and figure a way how to watch it, the whole thing over on there. I think that Francis and Shane the Love Train thinks that since the UFC is in a current state of Wild Wild West, that Francis is going to go straight to a title shot. But currently, uh, Stipe Miocic is lined up with Junior Dos Santos. So maybe he could get the winner of that, but I would like him to get, like you said, either Derek Lewis or uh, Travis Brown. But then I would also like to see him face Alistair the Reem over Reem. I do think that Francis Ngannou could defeat Alistair over Reem because of Alistair's depleting chin. So we're just going to put him against high-name guys that have depleting chins. Andre Arlovsky, then Alistair the Reem over Reem, and then title shot once he knocks out the Reem. But yeah, since... It's not just necessarily that the sport is in a state of Wild West or the matchmaking is kind of crazy. We're leaning towards more sports entertainment than uh, sport. But it's that um, this division is super shallow. So just a couple win streak could get you a title shot at any point. And it's been that way for a while in the heavyweight division. But yes, Francis Ngannou, scary motherfucker. Uh, very impressive performance. Probably fight of the night if we're giving out fight of the night. Featherweight fight between Jason, uh, I don't know what his nickname is. I think it's maybe the kid or something, but I think Sean Shelby or maybe Connor Rebush nicknamed him Hick Diaz, and I love that, against uh, Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres. Jason Knight's submission via rear naked choke at 421 of round number two, so the, the fight was just winding on down, or the second round was winding on down. Really impressive stuff. Alex Caceres landed pretty damn good strikes on Jason Knight's face, but little did we know, most of the time, Jason Knight, he, you know, he's just pressing forward, utilizing some pretty dynamic striking, but really just Diaz-esque forward pressure kind of striking. But uh, as Brian Stan pointed out on the broadcast, he is a wizard on the ground, phenomenal jujitsu skills, and he put Alex Caceres in some pretty dicey predicaments right up until he got a submission via rear naked choke. Um, Jason Knight said he called out the Korean Superboy Do Ho Choi in his post-fight interview. Um, he prayed for his dad, which was kind of neat, and then he he gave a post-fight hit a call out for the Korean Superboy because he said he said no disrespect, Mr. Superboy, but we're both bangers, we're both swangers. We would have a really fucking exciting fight, and I agree. Jason Knight versus the Korean Superboy. There are a couple of guys who are gonna throw their inhibitions to the wind and just get out there and swang and bang, bro. Uh, what do you think about Jason Knight versus the Korean Superboy? I missed the fight, but I said hell yeah to that fight. Awesome, awesome matchmaking on night. And I think I had said before too earlier, uh, his striking has evolved quite a bit. I don't know how it did in this fight. Of course, another fight I didn't see. Um, I did see also a lot of people saying that this was a really, really good fight and one of the better fights of the night. I'll have to go back and watch it at some point. Um, but this was my pick for fight of the night, so I'm glad to hear that it was pretty well and entertaining. Um, 
I think uh, Jason Knight, he, he's a very dynamic fighter. And I, I know, too, uh, as I mentioned a second ago, his striking has evolved quite a bit. But I did point out on the pre-fight show, uh, if a finish is going to happen, I think it would have been Jason Knight getting a submission because we have seen Alex Caceres succumb to numerous submission losses in his career. And I think right now, before that fight, he was at five. Now he's at six. So I thought Jason Knight could pull off a submission. I didn't pick it. Um, I picked a decision victory for him. But it sounds like he put on a pretty impressive performance. And being able to submit a guy uh, that is pretty notable, like Bruce Leroy, a pretty decent win to have on your resume. And I feel like now, uh, especially with Duho Choi coming off that loss to Cub Swanson and Jason Knight being a pretty entertaining fighter, both personality-wise and watching him compete in the octagon, a fight between those two would be very, very entertaining to see go down and also pro- probably provide some decent hype behind it. I think that would definitely be a contender for fight of the night if that fight were to go down. So looking forward to see that fight booked. And I really hope it does happen. Yeah, man, that fight would be super easy to sell. In the promo package, all you got to do is put Jason Knight out there calling out the Superboy and then show some of their fight footage where they're just fucking using their face as defense and swanging leather. Thank you so much for joining us, Donnie Turncut and Hirata HC Aries. Um, so, yeah, that fight probably gets fight of the night. There's not much else, really, that I want to talk about. I'm going to skip Sam Alvey versus Nate the Great Marquardt because it wasn't great. Rafael Asuncao beat Aljamain Sterling uh, via split decision. It just wasn't great. They, both guys looked hesitant. They didn't seem to want to actually fight. They were out there having a contest, not having a fight, which, you know, it's sport and, and uh, not a blood sport. But, God damn it, get out there and fight, swing. Um, Get get a little gritty. They just both didn't want to put themselves in any harmful predicaments, and it was rather lackluster. But then, right before that, we had a couple of guys with no defense whatsoever. Lee Jingliang versus Bobby Nashty Nash. Did you watch this one, Wes? I did, and out of the two fights that I watched that could have been a contender for fight of the night, that and Pantoja Shelton, I thought the fight between Lee and Bobby Nash was awesome. Awesome fight. Yeah, man. Um, Li Jing Liang came out there. He was landing. It was Bobby Nash. Was oh wait, I wanted to talk about one thing about Alex Caceres. You were meant. Oh, then I'll come back to this. Sorry, Alex Caceres. You mentioned that he's susceptible to submissions. He was searching for um, Jason Knight's arms to be able to free himself of that choke, and he kept reaching, and his hair got in his way of of reaching behind himself. So really. Bruce Leroy's hair, it looks stupid, it looks ridiculous, it bounces all over the place, and then I think it was a hindrance. I think it's a hindrance for him in guillotine chokes, uh, any choke, guillotine, rear naked, because he can't pop his head out of there because he's got like an extra six inches around his dome piece of helmet hair. So maybe Bruce Leroy should shave that son of a gun. But going back to Li Jingliang versus Bobby Nash, uh, Bobby Nash would throw his jab out there, and every time he did, he would leave his arm out there for a while and drop it a little bit, and then Li Jingliang was throwing an overhand right over it and connecting almost every single time. Uh, Bobby Nash did get, I think, I want to say it was a few good hooks on on Li, maybe it was uh, some left hooks. Now it was definitely something with the right hand that dropped Lee a bunch of times. But then in the second round, 4.45 left to go in round number two, Lee Jingliang hit Bobby Nash with a punch that sent him into fetal position and rigor mortis. That was, it was nuts. Uh, if it doesn't get fight of the night, it definitely gets performance of the night. Um, not too much. Rogerio de Lima versus Jeremy Kimball uh, was – I did, actually, I was having some trouble with my internet at that time, with my cable, so that wasn't 
great for me, but not too much else that I want to talk about. Wes, what do you want to touch on? And I'm going to give out performance bonuses after you mention what do you want to touch on. Uh, I think the one thing I'll touch on kind of goes in hand with the performance bonuses. I loved, now when I watched the Lee-Bobby Nash fight, but I'm worried due to the performances that happened on the main card, we're not going to see Lee get a, a performance bonus uh, because we did see four really impressive victories come from that main card. I'm curious to see. I'll let you go ahead. I don't really have anything else to add on the main card besides um, just saying some of the fights that I saw, how, that I enjoyed the fights I watched, but the fights I didn't see weren't the most exciting. So I'm curious to see what your picks are for performances and or fight of the night if you have one. Well, I guess I forgot to mention, we should talk about Eric Spicely for a second, because that guy is is constantly underrated. I've, I've picked against him in every single one of his UFC fights, um, and he's done pretty damn well. The guy's a wizard on the ground. He has decent takedown defense. Alessio de Chirico got to the ground, and Eric Spicely fucking worked him over immediately. From, from the time it hit the mat, he was working on a triangle choke back on the mat and then just started working for it. impressive impressive stuff from eric spicely he called out uh old man dan judo dan kelly for we can talk about that that's a couple of grapplers that are constantly underrated they're both guys who nobody ever picks them to win and yet they still win at least 75 percent of the time i know you uh who do you think would win between eric spicely and judo dan kelly Ooh, that's a good one um I feel like initially, 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 I can't even talk initially right now. Initially is fine. Initially, yeah. Uh, I feel like I'd lean Dan Kelly, but I'm not too sure. I think stylistically, though, that's a perfect fight to make, and I feel like we could see a lot of awesome scrambles happen on the ground. Um, but I think I'd lean Dan Kelly in that one. I'd have to go back and watch some fight footage, which I don't do, of course, all the time um, on the ground. But I, I think um, I'd lean him in that one. Who do you lean? I'm gonna pick Spicely uh, just because he's younger, and I don't think Judo Dan. Uh, I just I've picked against Judo Dan every time too, um, and since we're picking two I'd guys that, that I've that picked one. against every single time, I'm gonna pick the younger of those two guys, and I'm gonna pick the guy who seems to be once it gets in his area, it's over. Judo Dan, you know, he doesn't submit guys, and it's not over instantaneously when it gets it to the mat. But I don't. Who know? Who knows? I think that Eric Spicely would win that fight, but it's, it's that would be a fantastic piece of matchmaking because we got a couple of guys who are constantly underrated and yet pull off some victories so let's go into our performance bonuses obviously the higher up on a card the more likely it is that the ufc is going to give them a performance bonus so valentina in the main event puts out a beautiful slick armbar submission off of the bottom over a girl who talked a ton of shit and then we had jorge masvidal uh, whooped a guy who's a fan favorite in that guy's hometown and made him look like a fool. So there are two performance bonuses right there. Francis Ngannou landed two strikes, knocked his opponent out. Jason Knight, Alex Caceres, high-profile fight, incredible submission victory. And then the call-out afterward, just the call-out afterward, deserves a performance bonus right there. So you know what? I think that that has to get it, even though I feel bad that Li Jingliang and Eric Spicely aren't going to get uh, their performance bonuses. Marcos Rogerio de Lima, he did knock out Jeremy Kimball, but he's uneligible for post-fight bonuses because he missed weight badly by uh, three and a half pounds. And Jason Gonzalez versus JC Cottrell, it happened so long ago that it feels like it was yesterday, so he's not, he's not eligible for one of my post-fight bonuses either. So basically, I'm giving 50 extra Gs to everybody on the main card. While you say yours, I will look up the real ones. Sure. I am going to lean with you probably the same exact way. 
I tweeted it out. I usually like to tweet out who I give my bonuses to immediately following the fights. I think the only one, if the UFC weren't to go with all of the four main fight winners, which were Shevchenko, Masvidal, Francis Ngannou, and Jason Knight, I feel like the one that they may switch could be, this is just a an idea, and I'll kind of explain why, probably Ngannou, Orlovsky, and Ghana's knockout over Orlovsky for Lee's over Nash. I don't think they're going to do it, but I I feel like if it were to happen, a reason would be because, first off, they're heavyweights. Anybody can knock each other out. And two, everybody, if they could be thinking, oh, Orlovsky's chin, he's falling off the radar. And Ghana, he was supposed to win, got the win. Lee, Bobby Nash, of course, was a great fight, so they could say, oh, uh, Lee was definitely deserving of a bonus too. And Ghana, uh, yeah, he knocked out a heavyweight who had a bad chin. Let's give one a lead. I don't think they'll do it. There could be a chance, uh, and I think that would be the only possibility, but I'm going to go uh, ahead and give all of my performances, no fight of the night, um, to the four main card fighters for uh, yeah, those those four performances bonus. Bonuses. <laughs> Jeez, I can't talk. <laughs> that's all right, man. No, no problem. And that's what they did. They gave the performance bonuses to the fighters on the main card, which I think is is definitely justified. And that does it for this post-fight show. If any of the viewers have any last-minute comments that you'd like us to talk about, we will sure fucking do that because, hey, I'm a man of the people. But if not, we're going to get the hell out of here. It seems really early. Wes, this is nuts. Last thing I want to talk about. What do you think about this fight card? At my time, it's 1049. No, your time it's 1049. How, how do I not know what time it is here? Your time it's 1049, my time it's 949, and ordinarily the fight card would have just started 49 minutes ago. I think it's fucking great because then I get to go to bed earlier, I get to have a great Sunday, and we're not doing this post-fight show at 2 o'clock in the morning, but um, there were some people on the West Coast that were like, bro, uh, what do I do with the rest of my Saturday? And also, the fight started like... Uh, what, what time did they start there? At, at 1 p.m. there? That's nuts. So they wasted like the weird time of the day for them. But I like it because it's over early and we're done with post-fight shows at 10 o'clock. What do you think, Wes? One thing I'd like to point out real quick. I know we. I'm kind of backtracking. Uh, I was looking through some of the stuff that Dana White said at the post-conference, post-fight press conference, that is. And Dana White said apparently he's going to hook up Jingleon Lee and Bobby Nash uh, because he, quote-unquote, loved that fight. Um, so it sounds like he's going to do something special for them, which is understandable. I really, really love that fight. Awesome back and forth action. Do you have an opinion on that before I continue? I'm sorry. I wasn't really about Dana White giving, uh, like locker room bonuses to those two folks. I mean, fuck yeah, that's, that sounds great. I mean, they put their, they wore their hearts on their sleeves. They put everything on the line. That was an incredibly exciting fight. We're not incredibly, but you know, you know what? It was incredibly exciting. So Props to Dana White for giving out those locker room bonuses and bringing those locker room bonuses back. It feels like we're doing a throwback to the Fertitta Zufa era of the UFC because WME, IMG, they're not my UFC owners. Exactly. I, I like that too. I think it's nice that he's going to hook them up uh, because I, I know both of us enjoyed that fight a lot. And um, I think it was definitely deserving of a fight in the night bonus for me because I didn't see the other fights pretty much that happened. Now to move on... Um, to talking about the card and the timing, I, for me, I enjoyed it. Unfortunately, I didn't today because I had a, a concert I had to go to. Uh, if I didn't have the concert, I probably would have enjoyed it. I felt like it started for those of us on the East Coast pretty well. For those of those 
for those of those for those on the Pacific Coast, probably not so much, just because the card did start at one p.m. Pacific time, and the main card I guess started at five o'clock. I think yeah, eight seven six five five o'clock p.m. Uh, Pacific time. So it's starting right around lunchtime or excuse me dinner time, and finishing when dinner time should be done. So I feel like it's a weird time for those over there. I actually really enjoy some of the later cards. I know it's still pretty early in the day, um, but I like to go and hang out at Buffalo Wild Wings with, with my friends, go have some beers and eat some wings, and just kind of sit back and relax for the night. I feel like it's a fun way to have some bro time and just kind of kick back on a Saturday night. Um, so I, I kind of wish it was later still, but occasionally if I'm not doing that, especially for these free fights, it's pretty enjoyable having it done early because now I can go to bed at a respectable hour. Dude, I would have fucking loved it if I was on the West Coast. So I roll out of bed at 11.30. I'm a little bit hungover. I drink in some caffeine to get the headache out of my brain. I eat some lunch. What do you know? I put my shorts on because I'm still in my underwear while I'm eating lunch because I'm obviously a little bit hungover. Pop the old computer on and looky there. There are the UFC Fight Pass prelims. And I'm like, well, son of a gun. I stick my hand in my pants and I just watch those fights. And then, what do you know? Supper time rolls around, main card. That would have been a perfect day. And you can still go to sleep in time. And then Sunday, you're hangover free. And it's everything is all hunky-dory, good to go. Uh, I'm making a whole bunch of shit up. But basically, yeah, I love that it started early. I don't like when we're doing these post-fights uh, at 2, 2 o'clock in the morning. Anyway... Nobody else has any comments that I can see, Wes. Um, thank you so much for joining me. We're going to get out of here, Fight Fans. I really appreciate the fans for watching the show. I really appreciate everybody that, that did comments and shared the video, uh, subscribed on YouTube and all that jazz. Once again, you can follow Wes on Twitter at AllThatMMA. You can follow me on Twitter at FlyingBrianJ. Um, it's been nice. It's been real. But we're out of here. Namaste. Namaste.